Welcome to Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. I'm Mark. Did you know that Tomb Raider used to be a legal official occupation in ancient China? It was launched by Cao Cao, one of the most well-known Chinese generals and strategists who lived about 1800 years ago, an era known in Chinese history as the Eastern Han Dynasty. In this episode, let me walk you through the life stories of Cao Cao, a talented but extremely selfish and cruel strategist, who's also known for his suspicious nature. Cao Cao's first role of note was as commandant and police chief. He early established a reputation for being a stickler for the law and was not afraid to challenge the rich and powerful. He came to wider prominence when he put down the Yellow Turban Rebellion in the second half of the second century. The rebellion was so called because the protagonists wore yellow turbans, the colour of the earth. He excelled in fighting wars and politics. He was both loved and feared for his perceptiveness and swift retaliation. He was recognised as a leader who possessed a unique mindset and was considered a timeless hero. Now, the first and foremost highlight of his characteristics is one could count on Cao Cao to always place personal interest above morality. For example, there are always creative and unusual ways to generate wealth, but few beat Cao Cao's method. When he needed money to support his military ambition, he initiated a special profession, which he named fortune-seeking captain. But these so-called captains were in fact tomb raiders, who stole gold, silver and other treasures from the dead. Since filial piety had always been the number one virtue in Chinese culture, and in ancient times people often buried gold and silver treasure along with the deceased, in the hope that their ancestors would afford a well-off life, even in afterlife. This hideous act, besides being a crime, had always been something of a taboo, even in the modern world. But Cao Cao was no ordinary character. His men dug up ancestral graves, which for him became a source of wealth to supplement his military expenditure. Xu Shao, a famous commentator who also lived during the Eastern Han Dynasty, commented that Cao Cao would have made a superb military leader had he lived in a relatively peaceful era, but he lived in a time of chaos and became the treacherous hero that he was. His treachery is also verified by his support for a puppet emperor. This brings us to another fact about Cao Cao. Often those seeking to usurp a monarch became notorious in history. Cao Cao wanted to seize power, but he didn't want a bad reputation. He wanted to be regarded as a loyal helping hand to the emperor and to work for better governance of the state. But still, many historians and commentators consider Cao Cao as a man of treachery. Some even use the word shameless to describe Cao Cao, saying he's not only a thief who stole power, but also a treacherous coward who tried to hide his intentions under the disguise of being a helpful aid to the emperor. With such mixed reviews, you might ask, why was Cao Cao even considered as a hero? Let's go over some of the good points he scored. 
he did introduce various reforms in order to reinforce the government and ensure that tentacles of the state were far-reaching and unchallenged. One of these reform measures was to curb excessive state expenditure, through which Cao Cao gained a good reputation for his thrift. Another good point for Cao Cao is still relevant in modern China, and that is filial piety, and especially in treating the elderly with kindness when they're alive, rather than burying treasure in their tombs after they're dead. Cao Cao was very modern in this regard. He wasn't satisfied with the costly burial ceremonies that were popular before and during his time. In 205, he issued a ban for spending too much money on burials. Instead, he advocated taking good care of the elderly while they were alive, rather than what he described as a useless dedication to funeral services. For this reason, there were laws passed which, for example, forbade the use of costly jade funerary shrouds. He was trying to set an example by preparing himself with just plain clothes for his own burial, and didn't allow gold, jade, jewellery and other treasures to be buried in his coffin. He selected an infertile location for his burial site. Legend has it that Cao Cao was not a greedy man. The money and assets he gained after winning each battle were usually used as a reward for the generals and soldiers who'd fought hard. He'd rather share with his subordinates the treasures sent from other state leaders, and he rarely kept the wealth himself. Now, in that case, I'm thinking that he let his men raid the tombs not out of greed, but to make use of treasures that would otherwise be wasted. A rather extreme way of being thrifty, don't you think? In his eyes, a huge amount of treasure lying quietly in coffins was such a waste, so he wanted to utilise it in what he believed was the right way. As a ruler who governed a large territory in northern China, Cao Cao was in need of a talent pool. When it came to using talents, Cao Cao also weighed talent over morality. He issued three recruitment notices, in all of which talent was emphasised over morals. Here's a little story. Cao Cao had a rival named Yuan Shao, who once hired an advisor named Chen Lin. Chen wrote on behalf of Yuan, insulting Cao Cao, by calling him the grandson of a eunuch, and said that nobody would surpass Cao Cao in being a cruel tyrant. Cao Cao captured Chen as soon as he won the war. He asked Chen why he had insulted him to such an extent. Chen explained that he was just doing his job for his former boss. And guess what? Cao Cao hired him. Talent over grudges too. If I were to name one thing that Cao Cao was known for, I'd say he's known for his suspicious nature. All leaders in history probably lived in fear of assassination. Cao Cao was no exception, and he was especially afraid of being murdered in his sleep. So he pretended to sleepwalk and told others that he could kill people in his sleep and warned his bodyguards to stay away when he was sleeping. One day, in his sleep, his quilt slipped down to the ground. A guard came to pick it up and put it back on his master, but Cao Cao killed him with his sword and went back to sleep. When he woke up, he pretended to know nothing about the incident and asked who'd killed his loyal guard. 
As soon as he was told what had occurred, he started wailing and then ordered a high-level funeral service for the guard, disregarding his usual thrift practice. This incident was enough to warn the others who might have thought of harming him in his sleep. After all, war was not just about muscles and swords, but also more about good strategies, especially for someone who wanted to climb to the top and govern a state. A story that can shed light on his extreme selfishness was written into the celebrated Chinese classic Romance of the Three Kingdoms, in which he's portrayed as the Machiavellian villain. On his way, after fleeing from home, he went to a friend of his, surnamed Liu. Due to a misunderstanding and his suspicious nature, he thought that Liu's family had intended to betray him. So he killed Liu's entire family. When he learned that it had all been a terrible mistake, what he said has become what should be his most famous quote. I'd rather betray the whole world than let the world betray me. This may not be exactly what he said, but in many adaptations of the classic novel, in operas, television series, films and even computer games, Cao Cao is often portrayed as extremely selfish and suspicious. But of course, Cao Cao, like any man, was a mixture of good and evil. He was a strategist who had a reputation for being a stickler for the law. He was in every way against the Confucius teachings, and he valued talent much more than morals. And also, he never pretended to be a person of high morals. Cao Cao died in 220. He laid the foundations for the future of the Wei dynasty. His second son, Cao Pi, later forced the last Han Emperor to abdicate and then founded the Wei. Enthroning himself as Emperor Wen, he was also an accomplished and pioneering poet and literary critic. Cao Cao was, meanwhile, given the posthumous title of Emperor Wu of Wei. The life of Cao Cao was recorded in his own book, Apologia, written in 210 and 211, and was one of the earliest autobiographies from ancient China. That's it for this episode of Makers and Shakers of Chinese History. I'm Mark. Special thanks go to Sanlian Zhongdu for contributing to the content of the show. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe via wherever you tune in. Thanks for your company and see you next time.